only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. One of my favorite quotes from a past president comes from Bush 41, if you were ever followed his administration, there were a lot of Bushisms, a lot of words and phrases that he just made up. And here, here's one of my favorites. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me. You see, you can't get fooled again. And he went on to it's just so funny, some of the things that he said. And this this is kind of the theme, I guess, that quote popped into my head when I was figuring out what I wanted to uh, talk about tonight on the podcast. So anyway, folks, welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper podcast. My name is Keith, and this is episode 35. Today is February 15th, one day after Valentine's Day, 2023. So gas here in Central Virginia is between 315, 325 a gallon. It's continued to drop just a little bit. And before I forget, uh, I am on the Twitter. You can find me on the Twitter by searching Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, or the official Twitter handle is prep underscore podcast. If you want to send me an email or ask me any questions, practical prep podcast at gmail. Dot com, And I appreciate appreciate everybody stopping by. Um, I was just checking the metrics on the last podcast, and it is by far uh, one of the most popular podcasts as far as listeners and downloads. Several different countries checking in. South Africa, France actually checked in this time, and, and several others. So I really appreciate the time that folks are taking to to listen to my podcast. So I was gonna I was gonna do a podcast Sunday, but then there was a Super Bowl. I really didn't watch the Super Bowl. And then these damn balloons. We okay. So we shot down. Uh, there's the balloon. What about a week and a half ago? Traveled across the United States. Initially, they said the government said we didn't know it was there until it got into Canada. Read a report this morning. CBS News is reporting that the government was actually watching this silly thing from China as soon as it launched. So. The government lied to you. I know that comes as a complete shock to a lot of you. So apparently, this administration had eyes on this balloon back whenever, whenever it launched, long, long before it ever reached Canadian airspace. So that one traveled across the U.S., shot it off the coast of South Carolina, off, off, off the coast of Charleston. I haven't heard if they've recovered anything. They're not going to tell us what it was. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. If if they say if they tell us what if they tell us what was recovered, it's probably not going to be the truth anyway. So then they shoot down an, a UFO, unidentified flying object over Alaska. Then there was another one in Canada. Trudeau asked for assistance. We scrambled an F-22, shot that thing down. And then somewhere over Lake Huron, we shot something else down. And I forget, I forget which, which thing we were shooting down when the first missile, 
missed. I don't know if they just if they self-destruct after a few seconds or it just keeps on flying. I'm I'm not sure how the sidewinders work, but in the movies they always they always hit the planes. So the government is not ruling out that they are aliens. They are not ruling out that they are used car lot balloons. That's right. Used car lot balloons. I had to Google what a used car lot balloon was. It's not like the regular balloons, like, you know, you get at the store and blow up and have at birthday parties. It's the hard plastic balloon shaped object, very bright colors. A lot of times they're stuck on like the car antenna, the aerial, um, and it just, it just provides more visibility and it's, it's colorful and things like that. So they don't have any helium in them. They're just filled with regular air. They don't float. I don't know. Now, I have seen used car lots and just other businesses like the grand opening. They have one of the big balloons. I don't know, maybe five or six feet across. And, you know, it's tethered to the ground and it has all the little pendant or pennants all over. And it's, you know, flapping in the wind and stuff like that. Initially, I thought they meant a used car lot balloon was one of those inflatable fun guys. You know, the guy with the big... The fan that goes underneath him, he's a little, 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 you know, he's got his arms going everywhere. The, in, what are in, in crazy inflatable fun guys. Now that I would want to see. That I would love one of those things to get some helium in it. And it's like flying over some town with its arms still waving, you know, and then some fighter jet comes and shoots that out of the sky. That would be fun to see. So the government said these things did not have a means of propulsion. They were not, as far as they know, didn't have any communication gear. But apparently, either they couldn't get close enough to identify it, or they could, and they're just not going to tell us. Some officials are saying these were like errant science projects or something, which again, I went to school, I did science projects, I went to school with some very smart kids, and none of the science projects that I saw involved large inflatable objects. Part of me thinks there was nothing up there. Part of me thinks this is just a distraction to, to draw our attention from the million other things that are going on in the world. But I guess we're going to hear something one of these days. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure what to make of this. It's been, what, three days now since we've shot something down. And one of the officials said that there's thousands of objects in the sky. I, I'm, I, I'm, I really was not aware of that. I know there's thousands of objects in space where there's very little gravity and no gravity. There's, there's thousands of satellites. Some are, in, some are in service, some are not. All sorts of space debris and space junk. But I didn't know there's just thousands of objects floating around in the sky. I just didn't know that. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what they're talking about. But anyway, whatever they're talking about, there's thousands of them. So I don't expect to get, uh, to get the truth as far as what these particular objects are or were. So let's talk about Nord Stream 2 and the escalation in the Russian-Ukrainian war. And this is something that I totally missed. So back in 2022, uh, January 25th, 2022, Victoria Newland is the like Secretary for Political Affairs for the Biden administration and referenced the Russia, well, it, it, there was just tension between Russia and Ukraine at that time. They had not invaded. So she said on January 25th, 2022, Quote, we continue to have strong, clear communications with our German allies. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Okay, fair enough. A few weeks later, President Biden said, quote, if Russia invades, that means tanks or troops crossing the border of Ukraine 
Again, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring it to an end, end quote. Victoria Newland later on went, later on went on to say that Nord Stream 2 is basically just a hunk of metal at the bottom of the ocean. Not too long ago, probably a week, week and a half ago, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Seymour Hirsch, he has alleged that U.S. Navy divers actually placed bombs on Nord Stream 2 in March of 2022. There was uh, some sort of uh, naval operations, naval exercises, like it was the Baltic Operations 2022. They called it Baltops 22. So U.S. ships, NATO ship, ships doing their, their maritime exercises, I guess. So he's suggesting that Navy divers uh, using the, I guess, the exercises as cover. So that's why there would be naval ships in the area. They placed those, the bombs, the, the explosives onto the pipelines. And then in September, several months later, he says they were detonated remotely through a buoy that was in the area. So if you read his account, it is very specific. This guy has done some great work in the past. Obviously, the folks he spoke to, that was completely off the record. He does not name names. But the people that he spoke to and the information that he has, these people were either directly or indirectly involved in this operation. There is no doubt in my mind that we took the lead in getting rid of Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Well, Nord Stream 1 wasn't even online, but we took out Nord Stream 2. It's it's one thing to find to fight a proxy war. It's one thing to send tanks, munitions, missiles, Bradley fighting vehicles, and a bunch of other things to Ukraine. And then it's one thing to just admit that you were the reason that Nord Stream 2 went down. You were the reason that Putin was not able to sell oil to further fund, you know, at the time, which, you know, his war effort at the time that was very, that was fast approaching. I, I don't know. It just doesn't make me, this doesn't give me any, any, any warm fuzzies for sure. There was a report the other day that the Russians, there's like three ships that have left port and they're, they have, they carry nuclear weapons or they have the capability carrying nukes. I'm not really sure why that's a story because pretty much at any one time, and I'm just going to guess a number, we probably have 15 or 20 subs underwater for six months at a time that are carrying nukes as well. So I'm not really sure why it's such a big deal that the Russians have put three ships out to sea that have the capability of carrying nukes. They've got subs that are doing the exact same thing that we're doing. Remember that doomsday sub? What was that, like four months ago? Everybody was freaking out. This um, monster typhoon-class, red October-looking submarine, was it Murmansk or Vladivostok or whatever the winter ports are, the naval winter naval bases, that it left port, and it was like, you know, and then it submerged, and, and nothing ever happened. You know, it like came back. It was surfaced a few weeks later. I think it's a lot of people just trying to cause more panic that is really needed. I mean, it's bad enough with what's going on, so let's just go ahead and just speculate and let's add some stuff that we really have uh, no proof to back it up. East Palestine, Ohio. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on there? On February 3rd, a Norfolk Southern train derailed like 50 cars. Apparently, five of those cars were carrying hazardous materials, a bunch of methyl ethyl bad stuff or whatever the chemical names were derailed a few days later and i just read this about an hour ago the dod the department of defense was uh, consulted on the controlled burn the controlled explosion of some of those tank cars to burn off 
some of the harmful chemicals. So let's not try to contain them. Let's not put up earthen dikes. Let's not suck it up with big hoses or however we take care of hazardous material spills. Let's just light it on fire and let's burn it off and let's send this huge black plume of smoke up into the atmosphere and let it just, the wind just carry it wherever the winds were blowing at the time. In the area, folks, um, cows have died, cats, dogs, chickens, other livestock. Apparently, just a few days after the derailment, the local fire chief said the results of some water testing and air testing was that it was okay to drink the water and it was okay to go back into the town. If you guys have not seen some of the video or the video of that controlled burn, that controlled explosion, it is incredible. This tanker truck just go tanker um, tanker car just goes up in flames and is shooting flames 50, 60, 80 feet in the air easily. And this thick black smoke is heading up into the atmosphere and going with the prevailing winds. As far as I know, as of today, the 15th, there has been no real coordinated response from FEMA or the EPA. Now, apparently the EPA is on site. The EPA is in the area taking samples of the water and then taking samples of the air, especially downstream the Ohio River Valley. And I'm not a scientist, but I've seen enough stuff in the news. There is no way that all the chemicals that were spilled, there's no way that this is not going to cause short-term and long-term health risks to the people and to the animals and to the environment. Speaking of environment, people will protest and stand outside a meatpacking plant. They will stand outside and block the road to a chicken processing plant. But where are the environmentalists protesting Norfolk Southern Railroad, the local government, the regulators, the Department of Transportation, who's responsible ultimately for the safety of the railroad and the cars and everything else. I've heard nothing from them, but they'll get wall-to-wall coverage and tie themselves to a tree or link themselves across the road to block, you know, a, a, a tanker truck of oil, a tanker truck of gas, and just like the truck, they block the trucks going into a meat packing plant and a chicken processing plant. You know, they'll stand outside uh, coal mines and they'll protest coal miners. They'll stand outside the gates of a a nuclear reactor, a nuclear power plant. But why aren't they in Ohio? I haven't seen anything on TV, not even Greta. Greta hasn't even been in her angry little face. She hasn't been uh, jumping up and down, screaming about hazardous material and polluting the atmosphere and polluting the air and killing the fishes. If the average person realized the amount of hazardous material that is transported by rail, they would be absolutely blown away. If you live within a mile or two of a railroad track, you know, a major a major line, there are literally every single train that goes by with the exception of some passenger trains, there is some nasty stuff that is transported. It's relatively inexpensive and they transport, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of gallons of this stuff. If next time you're at a, a crossing and these tanker trucks or tanker cars, I want to say tanker trucks, tanker cars come by, just read some of the names, chlorine, all sorts of gases, like I said, methyl ethyl bad stuff, hydroxylene, penazine, whatever. It's and then if that was to if that car was to rupture, that's bad enough. But what if two cars derail and they both rupture? What happens when you mix one bad chemical with another bad chemical that normally don't mix? They're they're used in two separate processes, let's say. Well, you've got a whole brand new chemical and odds are it's going to be worse than either one of them by themselves. You've just created a super chemical that is probably 10 times as toxic 
as these were individually. But you'd be really amazed on the amount of hazardous material that goes by people's houses every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not just full of you know oranges and trash and lumber and a lot of hazardous material is transported by rail. So we certainly hope those folks in East Palestine, it's, it's not going to be as bad as they say. And we won't know. We won't know for weeks, maybe years about the long-term health costs, I guess, or the, the long-term health issues that this is going to cause. Okay. Let's talk about what I've been doing on the prepping front. My freeze dryer has pretty much been running nonstop for the last week, week and a half. Apple chips, pineapple rings, a lot of bananas. I have probably, oh my goodness, I've probably done, the freeze dryer holds free, free. The freeze dryer holds four trays. I've got them packed in there and I've probably run three separate loads like loads, that's what you do with laundry. I've run three separate runs of, of banana chips and they've turned out great. There was one that it normally take about 24 hours. This particular batch got done like an 18. It was really weird. So if you're not if you're not at home when it finishes its freeze drying cycle, it goes ahead and it freezes the contents. It freezes what's in there. So the bananas became frozen. So, you know, they wouldn't start spoiling, I guess. I'm not sure. Cause normally they're at a, you know, they're at 120, 130 degrees. You don't want them staying there for two, three, four hours, whenever you get home. So it freezes them solid. So I realized that I opened up the valve, depressurized the chamber and I popped them out and they're frozen. And I'm like, well, let me get my vacuum seal bags. Let me get my vacuum sealer and we'll, I'll go ahead and take care of them. I very soon realized that once they hit the air temperature, they started developing condensation. And I'm like, well, that's not what we want. So I had to put them back in and run them for about another hour and a half under, you know, under vacuum to dry them out. And it worked. They, they came out just fine. But I think they were a little overdone. I know that sounds kind of weird, but you can actually over freeze dry things. In this case, banana chips. They still taste okay. Don't get me wrong. Still make a great snack. But it just doesn't taste as, as, as good as the others. So trying to, you know, time it normally, I will put them in about, you know, when I get them from work five, six in the evening, 24 hours ish, the, the next day they'll be, they'll be good to go. Sometimes it'll 26, 27 hours. It really just depends on the thickness of the slices and how many banana slices, how many chips that you actually put onto the trays. Went ahead and ordered a second set of trays, a second set of, um, of the silicone mats that you put down and another set of the um, stackers, the, um, the the 3D printed uh, little feet that you put between each of the trays to keep them separate, uh, separated. So when you put them in the freezer, everything can, can freeze evenly. And I tried blueberries. I tried frozen blueberries, put them on the tray, put them in the freezer overnight. And they ran for, oh my goodness, 27 hours. They said they were done. But when I pulled them out, some were very, very dry but some were still kind of sticky and there was some of the, I don't know, blueberry juice. I guess there was still some of the sticky blueberry juice on the silicone mat. And that kind of threw me there for a second. I'm like, well, they were frozen, you know, like they should have been. They go through the process. They should be very, very dry, very little uh, moisture, very little water content. Some of these were really sticky. They were a sticky mess. So I went ahead, put them into a bag, vacuum sealed them, and I put them in the fridge just to be on the safe side. I'm still going to eat them. So a lot of moisture has been removed, and now they're in the fridge where they should be, you know, if they were if they had not been freeze-dried. So I've added some some shelf life to them, but 
you know, I'm going to put them in my, my oats. I do like cold soak oats, overnight oats, whatever you want to call them. I'll drop them in there with some raisins, bananas, you know, the oats, flaxseed and all that stuff. That's, that's what I usually have in the morning at work. I'll do it. I'll do it here a little bit. Then I'll, I'll take it to work tomorrow morning. Solar panels. Um, I picked up four used solar panels tonight after work. A gentleman buys them, I guess like wholesale. He buys them by the trailer full. That solar jobs, that panels are being traded, they're being removed, they're being swapped out. And a lot of companies, you can just buy these by the pallet full. He buys them by the pallet and then he puts them on Craigslist and other websites. And you can buy one, two, you know, the more you buy, the the, the less uh, the less they cost. So I went by and picked up four and these are 290 watt solar panels. They're mono, mono panels and they are in fantastic shape. The back is in great shape. The front is in great shape. So I'm really curious to see how well they do. I bet you, shoot, I bet you I'll get 230, 250 watts out of each one of these solar panels. Assuming, you know, I get them angled right and, you know, and the sun's in the right place. So curious to see, get these hooked up and to actually attach them to my, my Delta Pro uh, at the EcoFlow. Um, Delta Pro, see what kind of uh, what kind of power we can get out of these. So speaking of EcoFlow, Delta Pro, solar panel, solar generators, I'm going to give a shout out to Ben. And Ben is the founder and CEO of PoweredPortableSolar.com. He has a YouTube channel called Minuteman Prep, and it's a very cool channel. He purchases all of the products on his own. He uses his own money to purchase the products. It's not a paid advertisement. These uh, like Jackery and EcoFlow, they don't send him something and say, you know, give us an honest review, wink, wink. You can keep the product. So he purchased this all on his own and you can go to his website, poweredportablesolar.com. And, and he mostly, you know, it's in the name. He mostly deals with portable solar generators and solar systems. He does sell some rigid panels, but a lot of the panels, the suitcase version and the foldable panels you can pick up and take with you. He has reviewed, oh my goodness, dozens of solar generators. You could email him. He is very responsive. I emailed him the other day and had some questions about solar things in general, since obviously he's an expert, you know, more than an expert compared to me. I'm, I'm the layman in every sense of the word, and I certainly have a healthy a healthy respect for electricity. So he was able to answer these questions for me. Uh, it was fantastic. Very, very responsive. You know, within like an hour, you know, he'd respond back and me any questions. And, and I did. I asked him several questions. He gave me answers and I, he really educated me on a couple of subjects that I was uh, that I was interested in. And he has all sorts of things on his website. And I was looking at the prices. The prices on his website are very, very competitive. In some instances, his prices are less than uh, some of the things I've actually seen on Amazon. With Amazon, Amazon does not always have uh, the less expensive price for any given item. A lot of people think they do, but they don't. You really, you just have to shop around like everywhere else. You know, check Walmart, Target.com, all the other sites, uh, and you'll be surprised. But for the most part, Amazon's super, super competitive, but not all the time. So do your homework and find the find the best price for whatever, whatever you're going to purchase. All right, so if you have a chance, uh, go over to Powered portablesolar.com. Check out his website. Check out Ben's YouTube channel, Minuteman Prep. It's a very cool channel. Uh, he does a lot of solar stuff. Um, he does some firearm reviews. I think he's done like um, flashlight attachments, sights, all sorts of things. He basically runs his home on, on solar generators. You know, he goes through all the stats. Um, it makes it very easy for people like me to understand, which 
helps me a lot. When I watch some of these YouTubers, I'm thinking, man, I am really dumb uh, when it comes to solar stuff. But you know, I learned quite a bit. You can't be an expert in everything. So that's why I always seek out uh, the people who know what they're doing so I can gather the information that I need. So I'll be doing some DIY projects and I'll, I'll let you folks know um, how the solar panels are doing. And again, I wanted to go ahead and get some used panels instead of, uh, you know, paying for brand new panels. And really, you know, here in central Virginia, there's not a place that's relatively close that I can get these panels and not pay a crazy amount for shipping. Now you can go to signaturesolar.com and they're a fantastic distributor, a fantastic company down in Texas. However, to ship things to Virginia, Virginia is, you know, depending on your budget. And sometimes for me, it's really cost prohibitive. I don't want to pay $300 in shipping, you know, for a $1,000 order or a $1,500 order. That's just the way it is. I mean, you know, they have to pay for shipping. And so that, you know, they, they pass the, uh, they pass the price on to the customers. In many cases, for me, it's just a little too, little too expensive. All right, folks, again, thank you so much for stopping by and listening to me ramble. Again, I, I, I say it all the time. I really do appreciate it. Every week, the podcast gets more and more folks, more and more listeners, more and more traction. And I honestly you know, couldn't be happier to have you folks stop by. Okay, folks, as always, please stay safe out there. Love one another. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.